Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, and joining me is a special guest, all the way from Hoopball, Dan Bespris. What's going on, Dan? Oh, I thought you might call me Bebri after our ridiculous Dan pre-show. Bebri. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Bebri. Yeah, what's up, man? It's good to talk to you. I think last year, as with many things, uh, timing never quite worked because we had a grand total of nine hours to prepare for the season. And, and yeah. this year, we actually had a few weeks. So this is great. I'm so happy to talk to you again. This is actually a regular... Uh, uh, well, I was going to say it's a regular season, but already it's turning into kind of a, a circus heading into the, the oh, season, yeah. but the, the, at least the schedule is on track. Right. And yeah. <laughs> um, we could actually prepare. We could actually uh, know when people will probably draft, which is basically right now. Yeah. We have the second half of the season schedule in front of us already. That's wild. The small things in life. I know, I guess uh, my advice to uh, play all your games in Roto and in the first half and just get them all out of the way, just in case the league ended. So you can technically win. Uh, didn't count last year, but I thought that was a good strategy. No, honestly, like that, I know that was an exaggeration, but the point was actually really smart. You wanted to run in Roto leagues. I, I generally, I try to lag about 20 to 30 games behind everybody else. But last year you really didn't want to do that because you might, you may have just gotten kind of caught with your pants down and finished with, 20 to 30 games left over on your board because nobody played everybody in the league missed like 11 to 15 games last year. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Hopefully hopefully this season we can kind of go back to more traditional strategy. Well, I think the, in this day's game, right. If you get 72 games out of a guy, that's basically a full season in my opinion at this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who's playing more than 72, not very many people. Two years ago, I think the average number of games played for like a top 150 fantasy player was 73 and change. And then in COVID season, it was like 61 out of 72. So it dropped off pretty good two to three games more in a shorter season. I don't really know what to expect out of this year. Will it come back up a little bit? Will it parallel last year and we'll get 71 out of 82. I think I'm banking on kind of somewhere in the middle because it's mostly a full off season, not quite. We we missed a month in there someplace, but if I had to guess, I'd say probably in that seventy two to seventy three range is is going to be kind of the middle of the road. Uh, and I know I'm getting way off topic here, right at the beginning. We haven't even figured out what we're doing. No, yet. this is uh, the topic. <laughs> <laughs> this is the topic. I I there's this been this weird. I'm sure you've seen it too. This pendulum swing where five years ago you tried to avoid the nine guys who didn't play a whole season and now you try to find the nine guys who do they just get this massive bump by playing an extra six or seven games over everybody else in the league oh yeah if if you're getting someone who approaches like 80 games it just becomes a real like well a game changer really and i think a lot of the guys who end up playing more than 72 games uh, in the last few years have been young guys like two second year to fifth year players who still have, well, a lot of legs under them, uh, a lot to prove, uh, and are still coming up while, you know, these veterans, uh, like the Jimmy Butlers uh, of the world who always miss games anyway, um, Chris Pauls, they're probably going to take it easy because they really got one thing on their mind, and that's playoffs. Oh, yeah, without question. And I'm just sort of looking at last year as this weird, freaky example with the COVID-shortened season. 
three of the top five guys played 70 games. I know that's sort of like a statement that proves itself. So it's not anything really all that smart, but two of those three guys, one of them was Jokic, who was number one Mm -hmm. totals or per game, but two of them were Vooch and Chris Paul, who uh, played 70 games each and neither one of them was a first round pick last year. So, you know, looking for those guys in the second round, the third round that might make it to this year, I don't know, 78 out of 82 games, which again is very hard to find, but if you can game plan appropriately, you might be able to get a round or two of bonus value out of those dudes from again, just those ball games. But like you said, all the storylines around it, that's a big part of how you handicap for games played. I, I've I've been all over Chris Paul the last two years. And I've been, I've for this whole off season, I've talked about how terrified I am of diving back into the Chris Paul business. And yet he keeps falling at me at like 35. I can't, yeah. I can't not do it. <laughs> That's silly. And I, I, Chris Paul easily a top 25 player. He's good. I, I, it's one of those things where all these guys, Kyrie, um, the uh, Chris Paul, uh, even Paul George, they've been playing and they've, Jimmy Butler and they're constantly just like, you know, 15 games they missed, uh, they miss a month here, they miss a couple weeks there. And then, you know, you flip it around, you got Dame, you got Car Anthony Towns, who used to be incredibly solid, like you, uh, Bradley Beal, you knew you're going to get uh, full seasons out of these guys. And they've kind of flipped the, the script as well. I don't think there's like, I don't think you can really predict whether a guy is going to either, well, one, get injured, uh, play a full season. I think you can hedge for someone like Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler who do, who do it um, game after – or season after season. But who's to say – like LeBron, who's to say he doesn't, you know, sit out a month just to, to get rest because they're they're doing just fine. Uh, Chris Hatz Porzingis, is he finally going to be healthy? These are just questions I can't answer. And so when we when I go approach a draft – I don't know about you. I try to like make that a like a 15 to 20% decision, whether I'm going to draft this guy or not. But when I, when I look at someone like Chris Paul in the third round, Chris Stats Porzingis in the third round, I kind of tell myself per game, these guys are worth the second round. Yeah. Um, it's that floor ceiling kind of thing where yeah. like, unless something catastrophic happens, which could happen to anyone in the NBA, maybe a little more likely to an older guy, but sure, not necessarily. You never, you never know. Yeah. Let's you know, young guys are jumping higher. They're coming down from you know the third story balcony in these games. They're more likely to turn something pretty hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that floor thing. You know, Chris Paul, if he's getting drafted in the mid to late thirties and his per game value is like 18 again, he only needs to play like 64 out of 82 games to hit that mark and anything over that is just kind of gravy, but it, 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 I think it feeds back into that main idea that you said, which is you can't think about this too much as you're zipping through a 60 second or a 75 second pick in the draft room. It's why that, you know, to kind of oversimplify again, it's that same thing where it's like, you should probably have a board somewhere Mm -hmm. written down, maybe a sheet of paper where it's like, here's the nine guys in the NBA that have a really strong reason to play in a ton of ball games. And maybe those are just the handful of guys. You're like, okay, this guy gets a little boost. I like to call it the 10th category. I know it's cute. It's adorable, but it's, it's dumb. Uh, 
that only a few guys have now. And other than that, you call it a little bit of a wash. Yeah, I think you can, like, you can't beat yourself up just because someone who is consistently always playing, like you're expecting maybe Julius Randle to play like 80 games or um, even, you know, Dame's like been solid until recently, or you're expecting Jokic to play a lot of games and he ends up not, you can't beat yourself up about that. Right. No. Um, I think in the first two rounds though, playing it safe. And I think you're, uh, we, we have uh, our draft strategies a little bit in common. Mm-hmm. We try to play it a little bit safer than a lot of people. We try not to reach down for younger players. You're, I think you've copyrighted the old man, <laughs> old man Dan strategy. Um, yeah. And uh, we try to like, we try to solidify like a very consistent and well-performing like top three before we start um, looking at taking uh, a swing at, at some sort of player. Uh, are you still kind of like approaching your draft in, in this type of way? Uh, and if so, like what, who are you kind of targeting in these first uh, three rounds? I very much am. I'm still the same crotchety old curmudgeon that people have come to know and hate. To You're still going to have Paul Millsap on your team. I'm still, yeah, he has an honorary slot. I have, there are 15 roster slots in my league, but everybody's just going to give me a 16th so I can just have Millsap yeah, there. He's, nice. he's, uh, yeah, he's a player coach on my fantasy team now. Um, yeah, it's that same thing where uh, this is like the least exciting thing to say on a, uh, in fantasy, on a podcast, whatever. It's never going to get the, the hits or the clicks. Um, but I draft, I draft a team with the target on draft night to guarantee that my team is no worth no worse than fourth place, which sounds okay. idiotic. Like you should go into a draft wanting the best team in your league. My goal is to come out of the draft with one of the top four teams, which is basically like that same high floor kind of idea. If you have first, second, third round guys that are sort of in your estimation and or my estimation, whatever, if you believe them to be durable, productive, and, and you can't handicap for everything. Again, someone could sure. land funny and the whole thing goes out the window, but going on precedent, going on storyline, going on you know narrative, whatever. So someone like Jason Tatum, I think is a good example this year. He played 64 out of 72 games last year in a Celtic season that was just a total cluster mess of basically COVID. Like everything that could go wrong for Boston last year did. He's generally out there. Uh, I think you can pretty safely say that barring a, a total disaster, he's targeting something like 78 to 80 out of 82 games this year. Okay. You could yeah. say all of them, but I don't know that anybody's really targeting all of them except for people playing for Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Uh, Good luck. So Good luck on those knees. Exactly. So, you know, for the guy like Tatum, he's probably not going to be uh, a top eight per game guy. There aren't that many things that he could switch from last year when he was number 15. Could he score a tiny bit more? I mean, maybe a little bit, but like he was at 26 and a half points, three, three, seven and a half rebounds. There aren't that many places for that to go up No. But if he's again, playing six more games than everybody else around him with value kind of near the turn, he's going to thwomp those guys. And those are the dudes that are pushing the ball up the hill for your fantasy team. So, yeah, I'll add this. And I know I'm monologuing here a little bit. I'll Go add this. It. My goal or my, my plan going into a draft is the first two rounds, hyper durable. 
I, I want a guy in there that I think can get very close to their per game draft slot, but then will almost definitely beat the the total games played element of things. Bam Adebayo, I think, is a good example of a second round guy who's probably going to be more like top 20, top 16 range type, but probably plays four to five more games than everybody else drafted around him because that's his thing. He, he prides himself on playing every damn night unless someone tells him, like physically restrains him from taking the basketball court. I go into the draft with this plan. And then in the third round, I'm like, okay, this is where I can loosen the belt buckle a little bit. Fourth round, I can definitely start to take some swings. And then three, four, five, six rounds in, I realize that these guys that are, are just falling to me. So I still haven't taken my chance yet. I think you need to be ready to make those pivots on the fly where, you know, if you're in the, the late fifth round and someone like CJ McCollum is still just chilling on the board, there's nothing wrong with taking another relatively safe guy. It's just that you now have the freedom. If you wanted to go take a home run hack, you can do it. We don't necessarily have to. My teams are very boring coming out of the draft, and I've learned to just be okay with that. Uh, where other folks might look at a boring team and get kind of upset, you just you got to see how it goes once they're out there. Just try to get a little win in every round and don't blow it. Yeah, boring guys win championships. Like that's that is really. Uh, I always end up with some boring guys in those third or fourth rounds. Um, it's kind of like the idea of like going with Tatum over Paul George. Should, Paul George could be absolutely insane this year. He's going to be the have to carry the Clippers. But we've seen Paul George miss some time due to injury. You know, Jason Tatum pretty solid. Same with with, with you mentioning uh, Bam Adebayo. A real nice toss up: Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo. Mm. Uh, oh, I, I don't know, right? Per game, Anthony Davis, really nice. Bam out of bio, a little bit more solid, not, not the same type of stats. But I've seen both of those guys kind of slipping, and I still kind of want Bam in the second round. I love Bam in the second round. I'd have a really tough time if I was on, like, pick 17 and AD was still on the board, not doing AD for the upside. Uh, but... I mean, that's a, that's a really good comparison because one of those guys could be a top five fantasy player and the other one won't be Bam's got no shot of being, you know, top 10 on the year, but is he going to detonate Is part of his body going to detonate? Probably not where I don't know that we can guarantee that on the AD side. No, that, that's a tough one. You know, when the clock's ticking and you're down to like 15 seconds left and you're kicking it back and forth, you probably should just do Bam and be okay with the fact that you took the less exciting guy there. You're going to be tempted. The, the fruit is, is hanging there. What's the, is Tantalus? Is that the Greek mythology thing? <laughs> or it's like, they're just out of reach. Yeah. Uh, you might hit, you might hit. Uh, but will taking AD at 17 win your league? Probably not. But could taking AD at 17 kind of lose you your league? Yeah, it could. Yes. So go safe. Yeah, that is kind of how I always tell people is that you can, you will never win your league during the draft, but you certainly can lose it. Mm -hmm. um, and that would just be by taking nothing but risks throughout the, uh, throughout the draft. <laughs> that would and, be fun though, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. You, you, I mean, win or go home, you know, you can Talladega night the, your league if you, if you'd like, especially if you don't like pay attention to your league after February anyway, I mean, <laughs> why, why the hell not? Let's go nuts. Um, yeah, I've like, never I, done that. By the way, I've never done that even in a mock draft. No, I, me I, either. It feels dirty. Like this isn't me. I'm not learning anything. Nope. I've never Kyrie AD back to back. That's never, never seen that happen. 
I've uh, never had Porzingis saying, uh, <laughs> I don't know who I, else I would throw in there with that. I did a lot of Kyrie last year because he was going like around 20 and I he thought was going that was too insane. late. Yeah. He was going crazy late and it was happening again this year, but now we've got this other stuff hanging over it. So it's a little bit of a oh, different yeah. story until this most recent news broke. And I was seeing Kyrie go in like that 18 to 20 range again. I thought, I can't believe I'm going to do this again. Um, it was well no, worth I it last year. It was he, well worth it. Cause even per, he yeah. didn't play a lot of games, but like per game and totals, he was still like a top 10 player. Yeah. Crushed it on both. He could have missed like another six or seven games and he still would have crushed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. wild. So like you do like, the, I think there's a very big difference between, you know, taking a little bit of a risk in the second round with someone who is so incredibly good with Anthony Davis and Kyrie, even though like you want to be safe with those picks. If you feel safe with your first pick and you feel like you're going to get a pretty safe third pick, you might want to take that chance, especially if you, you know, got Jokic or you got, um, you know, Steph Curry or something like that. But Man, like, I, I, I just don't know if uh, you want to take that risk as you start sinking down into the into the middle of the draft, right? Like, I don't know if you really want to go. I'm, I'm like, scared of Zion Williamson, especially after this news about his broken foot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's a guy who scores so much that I would never end up with him because uh, I'm, like, I, I sort of flip the board a little bit in, in almost every draft. I, I rarely target the high-scoring guys. I feel like... And it's not a it's not a hard punt in points. It's just sort of a guys with unbelievable value in eight out of nine categories will fall to you if you're not super worried about getting 25 points a game out of you know first four or five picks on the board. So I'll never end up with a guy like Zion just because I'd be looking to draft him in the 50s or 60s and there's a 0% chance he falls that far. So I don't know. You have to be careful when you record these things. And you know this. You say that you're not drafting someone and people hear Dan hates <laughs> player X. No, it's just that I hate where they get drafted. So you know, if you want to assign my animosity, it's to ADP. It's not to a player. It's, you know, I'm not going to draft this guy here. I love watching LaMelo Ball. I'm going to watch a crap ton of Hornets basketball this year, but I'm not drafting him at 20. So, you know, we'll make of that what you will. I, I just, I would love to have him on my team. I just know he'll never fall to where I'd want to get him. Yeah. And I think you have to be okay with that going into the draft that you would just like, if Zach Levine falls to you because someone took LaMelo ball and Michael Porter over Zach Levine, you should get Zach Levine. You should be happy about that. Said the guy in Chicago, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, but I do the same thing. I always say like, Oh, I'm avoiding all the Lakers. I don't know what's going to go happen in, in LA this year. I really don't know oh, how that's mess. all going to work. And then a I end up glorious mess. Can I call it a glorious mess? I can't wait. I think they'll figure it out actually from a reality standpoint, fantasy wise, I would probably look to dodge almost all of those guys. Yes. I think they're all going to see a significant like drop off from their normal um, production simply because they can, right? Like it's, it's, I think it's the, when you saw the Brooklyn effect, uh, James Harden went from, Oh yeah, this guy's like the number one, player in fantasy every single year, triple double all day, every day. And, uh, you know, if, if like when Kyrie was all three of them were out there and I think if, and when Kyrie uh, ends up playing this season, James Harden is not going to average tennis a game. He doesn't need to. No, I agree with you. I, um, I still like Harden as uh, sort of an early mid first guy yeah. this year, but like, you know, he was number seven per game last season. I know he's sort of, I'm going to be careful with this. He kind of fatted his way out of Houston last <laughs> well, year. Well, you know, uh, 
and it's it how was he does bad. every year. Yeah, and it, well, he was it was so bad on his legs, and so I think some of the durability stuff hopefully peels back in the right direction, assuming he he kind of got himself back into real basketball shape. But yeah, I mean, he averaged 11 assists a game last year. The efficiency was better, but overall, the amount of time he spent with the basketball was down. He's going to be fighting to be a top, I don't know, in that three to six range, as opposed to like you said, where it was like, oh, is Harden going to be number one or is someone going to edge him out? Yeah, or is he number two? Yeah, and and even then it was like barely number two. Now there's... He's he's a cut below the top two guys, basically, which is fine. He's still quite good. But I mean, anybody that doesn't think there's going to be some kind of hit when high usage guys come together, you, like we we do. This is actually a rant that I've had in the chamber for a while, so I'm just going to let it fly. Have, have uh, it. <laughs> you're, you're welcome uh, for me turning off a number of your listeners here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> I think I try to think about some of this stuff psychologically almost. Whereas basketball fans and even as fantasy enthusiasts, we, we come to love particular players and we, we do everything, all the mental gymnastics humanly possible to convince ourselves that everything's going to be fine. But from a fantasy standpoint, there's almost no example of when high usage guys come together and there's not any kind of, of actual basketball suffering. The very few examples you can find uh, Harden, no matter who was with him in Houston, he was basically the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, admittedly, like That's, people came in, took a ton of usage, but he still sort of got his. But like one other person, not two yeah. other people. though. Right, exactly. Um, so then you bring these other guys together and there's just a hit. Even if it's small, it's a hit. KD was still amazing in Golden State, but he did it by having an obscene uh, set of percentages and his steals and blocks were crazy high with the Warriors, but like Steph did less, Clay did less. You're going to see that again uh, in LA. I mm-hmm. think you probably see it a little, a little bit in Chicago at the very least. Oh, I think so. Uh, Absolutely. These things happen. Even if they're small, you have to make that adjustment. You can't just assume everything is going to be the same and fine. And then if that means that someone else takes that guy in front of where you want to just, be okay with that. You'll, you'll find someone else. That's a better value. Yeah. I would say don't adjust too hard though. So especially with guys like Vujovich and Zach Levine, I fully expect their assists to go down. They got playmakers around them now. Uh, I expect their points to go down. They have, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan is a, a great scorer. Uh, Lamelo is going to be nice at, at, at spreading the court out, but are they going to fall out of that kind of like, you know, second to third round range overall? Probably not. They're still going to score a ton. They're still going to get those rebounds. They're still going to be good um, with um, Vujovic is still going to be like a, kind of an almost block, almost steal guy. He's someone's going to have to rebound on that team because there are yeah. no other centers. <laughs> and how many centers hit two threes a game? Like there's, there's not a lot of them. So don't discount them too much. I think uh, I was reading something where people are like, I don't really like any of these guys in the second round. I'm like, but those are the only guys in the second round because you're not going to take uh, Rashawn Holmes over Vujovic. Like you, no, you shouldn't be not. anyway. You should not be um, taking Miles Turner or Jalen Brown over Levine. Or, or like you should take Levine over um, Booker and Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. Like yeah, he's still going to be a very good player. My my Devin Booker rage is is uh, substantial, but I don't think we even need to go down that path. He's somehow been re-elevated like 30 slots in nine category after. And, and maybe Chris Paul misses time, but that would have to be 
a substantial amount of time, I think, for Book yeah. to get to where he needs to be. But yeah, I mean, even you know, a small bump or a small knock on Vooch takes him from he was 11th last year per game. I know by totals he was amazing because he played 70. Uh, 11 drops him down to I don't know, it's probably maybe 17, 18, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Levine, 25 per game, half around 30, 31, something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, and then I actually like the Bulls because I think those guys are going to play through a lot of bumps and bruises because they're going to have to. Yeah, you got the pulse out there, but I think they want to win a lot. Uh, yeah. And that they're, plays a big role. They're, and they're going to have to like lead the league in scoring too to do it. Right, which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantasy-wise, that's wonderful. Awesome. They, remind me, they remind me a lot actually of Phoenix, uh, a team that was like, okay, we got to go prove something now. Um, mm-hmm. And that feels like that bunch. So it's going to be a lot of guys trying to play a lot of games playing fast uh, should be fun. I think the way they beat their ADPs is uh, with games played, which I know a lot of analysts really hate to look at games played, but I think it's critical. You have to, you have to at least size it up. We spent a lot of time on it already here, so I don't want to chew up any more, but like I think Levine, Vooch, DeMar, I bet all those guys play more than 72 games this year, 72 or more. Can we do equal to or greater than? Yeah, that's the over under. I think that's fine. Yeah. I'm going to take the over on all three. I hope so. Like as a Bulls fan, I definitely, I definitely hope so. Uh, and they're gonna have to play with pace. And like last season, there was a ton of pace in uh, in the NBA. Pace, pace went way up. Do you think that stays as we get to a full season, or was that just kind of like a a um, I guess a consequence of the weird shortened season where people were just like kind of like sitting out and uh, people were certainly playing less defense than than <laughs> normal last season. I think it sticks. I think you'll probably see, I think two years ago, pace was really high, like the first month. And then it leveled off a little bit as the season went on. You probably see that again, guys just sort of lose their legs by December, January and games slow down a little bit. Uh, But yeah, that's the era we're in now pace and space. There just aren't that many teams that want to slow you down anymore. And even the Knicks, they added scoring. So they'll probably play a tiny bit faster this coming season. So yeah, I, I think pace is just up. So, uh, everybody's going to need to do a little bit more, which is fine. Like if you were basing your roto standings on, you know, what you needed to have to win a particular category six or seven years ago, that's probably not a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I think you can that. base stop it off of last year and it's probably relatively close. Do I think it keeps getting faster? I truly have no idea. I, I wouldn't even venture a guess, but I, I would imagine it's still very close to what you saw last season. Yeah, I would assume there is like a, an actual limit to that pace equation at some point, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah. We're at the, I'm not sure we're at the limit yet. So we'll go full Kiki Vandeway nuggets era pace. That'll Ooh, be that, the, yeah. Weird. Be a lot of fun. I know. No, that'd be a lot of fun. I, I would have been, I would enjoy that. Um, so Dan, like, I know, like we've been in some mock drafts together. I know a lot of people it's just drafting season, right? Uh, you've probably done a ton of mock drafts. It's like actually one of my favorite things to just do uh, if I'm super bored. The mock drafts that I've been seeing, and I, I'd like to get your take on how you're feeling about uh, like where you'd maybe want to draft and then like guys you see who are, who are dropping that you're surprised or you're just like indicating like, oh, I, I have to take that guy. He keeps, he keeps dropping. But what, what I've noticed is that I, I like drafting on the turn because I end up with kind of players who do drop. There seems to be um, a run on bigs 
there's obviously the second round bigs, but then there's a run on bigs in the fourth round that, uh, you know, Drew Holiday ends up dropping, Tobias Harris ends up dropping, Chris Paul ends up dropping, all these kind of like very damn players uh, who uh, um, might be, you know, boring to look at night in and night out, but then when like every single week are very, very good and end up winning you uh, more weeks than not. Um, and I, I've been telling people to get bigs kind of early as well, because I think there's a lot of quality guards who end up falling in, um, in value. And I like the guards that seem to be a little bit lower in a lot of the, the rankings and a lot of the drafts I've done, uh, the Lonzo balls, the Mike Connolly's, um, even the, the guys on the Spurs, they're all hanging around in that like fifth, sixth, seventh round. So I, I really don't need to worry about guards. Yeah. I agree with you on the, the early part, especially, um, it, you know, that I'd say, having third pick has been generally pretty terrible because uh, yes. you, you don't get Jokic. A lot of the time you don't get Steph, not all the time. Some Lucas and Giannis squeeze in there mm-hmm. teams that are rolling into a punt or whatever. Uh, so maybe you can get away with third, but like fourth, fifth, that's a rough spot right now. Cause a lot of times in that goofball second round, that's right. When all the favorites are off the board pick 20 roughly like mm-hmm. 1920 that's when you've run out of the really obvious second rounders with first round upside and you're like okay well uh i can take this guy that has an adp of like 29 or 32 that i'm pretty sure is going to finish ahead of a lot of these guys but what order do i do my stuff this other guy does he get back to me here i, I i've loathed that spot it's almost never worked out in a way where i've where i've felt good about my team and a lot of the time I keep ending up with like Rudy Gobert, which is never a guy I target because of his low free throw percent, but also he's someone you can look at like, all right, this guy's probably going to be a top 25 per game producer. Still and really good. Yeah. Healthy. Yeah. Uh, he's just going at 30 when he, and I'd like to get him at 30 for the extra value, but maybe I just need to take him at 22 or something like that and be okay with it. Uh, now, if you get like the seventh or eighth pick ninth, something in that range, that seems like a really nice spot this year. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll get one of the guys you wanted in the first. And it looks like in general, one of those really nice second round guys makes it back to you at pick 16, 17 range. Yeah. It's like just after that coming back in the second where things get dicey. And then if you push it later in the first, then you get stuck with that dilemma we talked about before of like, am I going Anthony Davis here on the turn <laughs> or uh, do I let someone else take that plunge. So that's when you get back into the should I, or shouldn't I think. So I've been really enjoying that eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, maybe even 10th area pick this year. And that's pretty weird. Cause that's not a spot I've wanted to be the last couple seasons. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause like you don't want to be outside of those top tier guys in, in previous seasons, but it almost seems like since there is this big gap between the very top tier and your second and third tier uh players that you kind of want to dabble like get that one into into tier one and definitely guarantee yourself like a good tier two player and maybe even get a a guy who slips who you would consider like a tier three player like a Tobias Harris or Drew Holiday who who keeps slipping down in these drafts Um, I know you're very like a, a safe old man type of drafter but are there any Young guys, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a rookie. I don't think you're going to be drafting any rookies. I'm not going to ask you anything about the rookies. But um, are there any, like, second, third, fourth-year players that in those middle rounds 
you are taking a look at and saying, you know what, I'm going to give this guy a shot. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that uh, the Kings, I know it's a weird place to go. I think there's some opportunity out there. I think Halliburton has a chance to be interesting. Um, I'm a little worried that Robert Williams is going too early here, um, which was a shame because that was one that, that we'd been checking out. Uh, I know he's not a second year guy, but another dude that I think that I was really excited about in May was OG Ananobi, but suddenly he's going at like 38 in some of these mocks. I'm like, what the hell? Happened? Yeah. That feels like the, uh, the sleeper of sleepers, you know, like yeah, every year you're like, ruined. Oh man, that guy's going to be a sleeper. And everybody's like, yeah, that's the sleeper this year. It's like, well, it's not a sleeper if everybody <laughs> yeah. knows about him. Exactly. So those are the ones that I'm upset about. Um, I guess Halliburton, I'm not that upset about. He hasn't moved too far up the draft board yet. Um, yeah. I mean, I keep like, Michael Porter Jr. I thought there might be a little bit of slippage there. There hasn't really been no. much slippage there. The guys that in May I was looking at as, okay, could this guy fly under the radar a little bit? I don't know that any of them really have. The closest thing is farther down the board for me. And it's someone like a Derek White. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's, everybody's talking about DeJounte Murray. And that's fine. I like, I like Murray too, actually. They, they're both interesting. I just feel like because white is going around or two later that makes him the more interesting of those two guys for me i, I just I, you know i think there's a better than like 30 to 35 percent chance that white actually finishes with a better per game clip this year than Dejounte murray uh and again he's going 25 slots later so uh if we're talking about a guy that i i thought might be in for a, a fun little post type sort of year that did manage to stay under the radar. It's probably Derek white right now. Um, still waiting for ADPs to settle though. They're going crazy. Every, every three days I look at them and somebody's jumped four or five, six slots. I'm like, all right, I got to cross that son of a gun off the board too. Uh, but those other guys have, have been um, kind of ruined by how early they're going. And it's really upsetting. Yeah, I I would agree because like I I like Derek White and Murray. Uh, the fact that they're so I'm surprised that they're not like going back to back in a lot of in a lot of leagues. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know you got Darius Garland, who I really think could be a nice breakout candidate, who just keeps moving way up the draft board. Way up I, the yeah, draft board. Yeah, he's everybody's darling at this point. Um, and it it once again you know. Um, if any, actually, weirdly, Anthony Edwards seems to be the guy who's slipping, who I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like fine around that, that 50 to 60 range if you are in like a certain head to head build. But like, I don't know, he doesn't he gets the steals, but he doesn't do a lot of other things that I really enjoy. So like as a, you know, is he in that 50 to 60 range? Yeah. And I think weirdly yeah. people are ignoring like kind of like I would think he would be the guy who would be going right after Michael Porter Jr., but he's not. He's kind of like slipping out. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell is going on with fantasy right now. That people are paying attention to OG and Anobi despite yeah. the fact that his value is largely tied up in steals. That's never been a thing people have cared about I, before. I miss the good old days when Robert Covington was like pick 95 every year and he was the top <laughs> 40 year. player every yeah, single season. Yeah, what the hell, man? People are catching on a little bit. I don't like it. If you give me the wiggle room, by the way, to go to some slightly older guys, I like I like Kelly Olynyk and how late he's going in yeah. drafts. Um, I think Evan Fournier is going to end up as a decent value later in drafts this year. Um, okay, you know what? I do have a slightly earlier one, and he's a young guy, and I'll never take the mantle away from the great Jonas Nader, um, but I like Jaron Jackson Jr. this year. Uh, okay. He's going – even he's going at 54 is his yahoo adp right now um 
And, you know, I know that health is not going to be the strong suit. I'm sure they're going to kid glove him a little bit. But the beauty of, of what happened with JJJ last year is that he soured so many fantasy enthusiasts by playing in 11 regular season games. Everybody was ready for him to be the top 20 player that they think he right. is. Exactly. And he wasn't. And he didn't even play much in those games. But he did in their brief playoff run. His minutes were trending up after, like at the very last second, and then even into the the postscript a little bit, where I, I think in like 26 minutes a game, he was top 30 at that. I know it was a very limited sample size. Yeah. It was like four games. Uh, but that's that's what he's built for. He's a very good foul shooter. His field goal percent was low, probably because of how rusty he was. But steals high blocks, tons of threes. He has the makeup to be a top 25 fantasy guy. And he's going in the fifties. I think I would consider him as one of my younger reachy targets. That's not completely maxed out the way that someone like OG or Garland or time Lord feels like they're, they're kind of right at their ceiling now. Yeah. I think a lot of those big centers with the blocks kind of go ahead of their, their ADP while for some reason, Jaron Jackson, uh, definitely, definitely slipping, which has got, has got you interested. And if it's got you interested, then I'm, I'm certainly interested if you're in to one of the young guys. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. No. Third year though. I think it's third year now. So I don't, it doesn't count anymore. Now he's an upperclassman. That's fair. Yeah. Once you, once you can go to prom, I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's, Junior that's prom still counts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are there any guys that near the end of the draft, you kind of already dabbled with, uh, you know, Kelly Olenek who I, I agree like, I think he's just going to like, he's even going undrafted in some, in some leagues. And I just don't understand if you're in a standard league, shouldn't go undrafted. Um, are there any like late round, like players that you seem to be always and always end up on your roster? Oh boy. They, they always end up on my roster guys. I always end up with Larry Nance. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it even matters that he's in a new place. Um, and he's always a late round guy. So I feel like he probably fits the proper answer to that question. Some of the guys I'm thinking of are guys that weren't always late rounders, but kind of are now. Um, I always end up with Nerland's Noel. Or and I was going to end up with him everywhere last year until he started a bunch of preseason games and ruined everything for me. And I'll never forget. I'll never forgive them for whatever the hell that was. Uh thinking about some of the names kicking around in the back of my head. It's probably a Linux here. I'll give you a gross one that everybody's not paying attention to Larry Markkinen. Um, Ooh. He's a gross name and yeah. burned a lot of people. Uh, but as a late round flyer, I'm very much into it. Uh, threes boards points, good field goal or good free throw percent. Sorry. From a big man, very late in drafts. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? You know, take him in the ninth, 10th, 11, 12, whatever it is. Uh, if it, if it fails, yeah, if it fails, drop him. Uh, but he's out there bombing away, and the Cavs were so brutally awful on offense last year that I'm inclined to think he gets an opportunity to go take a bunch of shots. Like he he, he can put up fantasy value pretty quick because he's not shy about shooting. No, he will he will definitely shoot the ball, and he is a good shooter. He doesn't do anything really else, but he is a good shooter. And if they want to spread the floor with the, uh, the guards that they have there in Cleveland. I just worry about his playing time, but like probably at the beginning of the season, uh, you would think Mobley they'll ease him into NBA yeah. speed. Jared Allen is good. Like I like Jared Allen, but like him and Larry don't really overlap. I would say at all. You're not going to put Larry at your five. So 
I don't hate a late, like last pick on Larry Martin. Yeah. Go Even late, real late. Yeah. 27, 28 minutes. He's going to get you some threes and some points and not be, you know, ter- like absolutely terrible. Uh, unlike if you're just like kind of looking around, you're like, Oh, LaMarcus Aldridge is going to play. Like, I don't, I know he's kind of probably like honorary old man status at this point, but like, I don't, yeah, I don't think LaMarcus is going to play. If you've had to retire for a medical <laughs> ailment, you're now officially too old for the old man squad. Although I am happy that he got cleared to to come back because he was on the old man squad for a while. But yeah, that's the that's that's the barrier to it. But again, yeah, I mean that's the late roto element for me. Is I don't want to find a guy. I, let me try to do this from a percentages standpoint. The percentage chance that a bunch of other guys finish ahead of Larry Markin is probably better than 50-50. But the percent that any of those guys drafted in like the one thirties hit top 75, top 80, his number in that category is probably a little bit higher than those other guys. It's very much boom or bust and late in Roto. You got to go boom or bust. We played it safe. We went real safe for four five, six, seven rounds, whatever it was. Your, your foundation is built. Uh, you have a games cap. Just take some shots at that point. Now there's a lot of guys with, with clunky fantasy stat sets that are getting drafted in the 10th, 11th, 12th rounds, uh, go grab a guy who, if he's gets a confidence surge, something crazy could happen. Now, admittedly, like Olenek is 9,000 times more the guy I would pick in that scenario. That's why I wanted to throw him out there first. Uh, but again, if you're like 12th round, whatever it is, take a shot. They paid him. They yeah. paid him. They're going to play. They him. wanted him on the, the team for some strange reason. I'm not sure, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Here's they you, Caleb. Uh, but, love. but I mean, would you rather have him or Mo Bamba or Kim Birch, who you don't even know if they're going to play Ooh, that much? The Bamba one's a good question because I'm a Roto guy. And if he, if Bamba gives me like 40 games this year, I'd probably go Bamba over. over That'd be Martin. nice. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I think Wendell Carter Jr. stays on the court. Like, yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. Is... That's a straight timeshare down there. But Bamba puts up stuff so fast that. I like, I like the, I like the per minute stuff going on. That's another discussion for, for a totally different day <laughs> of the, who are the guys that can put up numbers in like 22 minutes on the floor. And he's it, like with Nerland's Noel, he's in that. They can do it real fast department. I'm very much not into Wendell Carter jr. By the way. Really? I, I, I think he's, he's would be a kind of like a boring last pick. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think his, free throw percent ever really gets better. I don't know that he's as good defensively as it looked that first burst, like his defensive Mm -hmm. stats have been trending down. And I don't know that he's just going to own that job himself in Orlando. So like 26 minutes a game, isn't going to get it done. I need him playing like 31. And I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Mo Obama's had plenty of time to take the reins in Orlando. <laughs> and, you know, if I fool me once, uh, can't fool me again. You know, like how many, how many years uh, is Mom Bamba going to get to, to, to prove himself until someone goes, yeah, I don't think Mom Bamba should uh, be in the NBA anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he looked better. I thought he, he did. looked better than Wendell Carter Jr. than the last like he, three weeks last year. Yeah. That last sure. month he yeah. looked like absolutely insanely fantastic, but he'll be hurt. Sh- should I take any, consideration to what happened in the last month like look at oklahoma city right like should i draft poku like should i draft any of the oklahoma city guys just because last three weeks of the season they were like out of control (laughs) no 
The answer's hard. No, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it was a weird end of the, a weird season. And I, I think that, that applies to Mo Bamba. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I guess like you don't have to go draft Mo Bamba. I just think if you could get him again and like he's getting drafted in the 140s and it's that upside play. If he gets 23, 24 minutes steadily, then he's a better upside shot than a lot of those guys getting drafted super duper late. Who cares about someone like a Dorian Finney? Not that he's a good example. He's not getting drafted anywhere, but like these guys that are just quietly plod along, they're not. They're not useful at the end of a draft. You got to go crazy. Get nuts. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to care about Royce O'Neal. Like, I'll pick him <laughs> up. I'll stream him. But I don't want to care about him. I don't want to be like, oh, should I start Royce O'Neal tonight? No, no. Yeah, don't. Please don't. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a visceral reaction. No. Uh, yeah. So just get wild at the end. Get get Wooly and uh, get Kelly Olenek. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. I think people are just. You know, they're a little bit ahead of the game this season, probably because they've been listening to all the podcasts, including your podcast. Dan, like, tell us what's going on at Hoopball and what's going on with your podcast this year. I'm trying to do 31 episodes in 31 days this month, and I'm Good sure luck. I'm going to pay for it. Uh, and then it'll go back to just five days a week after that. Uh, my show, of course, Fantasy NBA Today. I, uh, It's my little baby. It's my little baby. I have two real-life human children, but uh, that podcast is actually almost the exact same age as my older child. So, so please, oh. uh, please check that out. And, and uh, I don't know, everything I do, I do through Twitter anyway. So I don't know. I don't, I don't do like the long, Hey, here's all the things happening. Just follow me on Twitter, D A N B E S B R I S and whatever else I got going on. I'll just yell at you on social media. Yeah. If you're not following Dan Vespers on Twitter, uh, you should be like, I, he's definitely tweets a lot more than I do. And he's definitely, Too much. uh, yeah, he's definitely on Twitter a lot, which, uh, I don't know if we need you know to call someone about that or have an, inter- <laughs> have an intervention, but it's good for you as someone who cares if, if you care about fantasy basketball, Dan's on there. He's going to be talking about fantasy basketball. Yeah. I mean, social media is such a razor's edge. Just make sure you only follow the people that are relevant to what you want to learn. If you go too far, you can spend your whole day just being angry about things. And that is, that's very bad for your mental health. So just yeah. follow like the handful of folks that help. For me, I pretty much just follow fantasy NBA and NBA people. And uh, it's good. It like the sanity does fluctuate from time to time. <laughs> for the most part, when people are like, Dan, how do you, how do you deal with Twitter? I'm like, I don't follow anybody that isn't just talking about the stuff I, I want to learn. It's a great resource for instantaneous news yeah but it's also a great resource for like depression so you just have to make sure you're using it right and that was me i get a little silly but that was actually me being mostly serious like be very careful with how you use social media people oh yeah Um, there's there's a great way to use twitter and just make sure you're doing it yeah social media is 100 percent designed to hit the synapses in your brain to make you an addict uh it is also designed to keep bringing you back uh, whether you like it or hate it it's mm-hmm. uh, it's like uh, what they used to say about uh, this is going to date me and you probably is what they used to say about Howard Stern is that people who listen to him and listen to him, uh, two and a half hours a day because they wanted to hear what he said next. And people who hated him would listen to him three hours or more hours a day because they wanted to hear what he said next. Yep. Yeah. So it's the exact same algorithm. It's just uh, super um, synthesized into perfectly hitting and finding your triggers to keep you on Twitter. So, you know, choose your rabbit hole. Only follow, have a, have a fancy basketball profile and only follow fancy basketball people. Yep. And then, you know, follow the beat writers as well. A, a lot of the teams and that, you know, that news comes pretty quick. It can help Fair you out. Enough. 
Yeah, it's perfect. Well said. Well, follow Dan at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Uh, he's all over Hoopball. He's all over Twitter. And subscribe to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast already. Like that's what you should be doing. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. This was, I think, this is a nice prep for everybody uh, coming into draft season, uh, coming into the preseason. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for the season to start. I hope that I helped more than I irritated. That's how I try to enter and exit every day. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. I love being a guest on shows because I can get a little bit wild and woolly, uh, and uh, then I can go like button it back up for for hosting duties tomorrow. So this this is a lot of fun. Thanks, man. But yeah, no, the pleasure is all mine. If you guys uh, listening here, you like the show, hey, follow us um, on Did Patreon. Did I call you Matt or Mike? My I think you is- called me Mike. I, I don't. Okay, good. I- I wasn't. <laughs> I, I finished know. the sentence and I was like, did I say Matt? Uh, anyway, apologies oh. if I did or if I didn't. I'm sure people have called you worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. They um, they call me worse every day. Um, it's uh, it's called Twitter. Um, yeah. Speaking of Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Boxes. Uh, we're doing a lot of mock drafts. I think going to try to get Dan in one of these mock drafts that we're doing on Twitch, twitch.tv slash watching the boxes. Um, we're going to do an auction draft. Would you be interested in that, Dan? I think oh, those are really long, but yeah, I'm horrendous at auction drafts. You're going to have to, I'll, I'll be the guy who's like watching from the side, like falling asleep in my, in my lounge chair at hour 45 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's also really hard to give commentary. I think we did the big uh, draft a few years ago and you just sat back. You didn't have the draft at all. I just did the commentary in the whole thing, doing commentary while like you're live streaming Art. while you're trying to draft some borderline possible. It's really tough. Yeah, I did one of those with Josh last week or two weeks ago. And I was like, I don't even know what team I drafted at the end. Yeah, same here. I literally was like, I'm avoiding all the Lakers. And then I drafted Westbrook. (laughs) There's like 40 seconds. You're talking about the pick in front of you. And then someone's like, oh, it's your turn. You're like, uh, click. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Who's on this list? Okay, cool. Yeah. So don't don't be like that. Focus on your uh, draft when you're drafting. Um, And thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you next time.